1: have proven our strategy is how do we support in the building of churches for these congregations that already exist.
0: We're going to meet a woman who partners with indigenous ministries around the world, equipping local churches with buildings and with discipleship training. You'll meet Janice Allen of International Cooperative Ministries, ICM, on this edition of First Person. Welcome. I'm Wayne Shepherd. We'll get started momentarily with our interview, but I'd like to take a moment to encourage you to visit our website for additional information about this program. It's firstpersoninterview.com, and there you'll find our archive of past programs for listening anytime. Our cooperating ministry is the Far East Broadcasting Company. You can learn more at febc.org and listen to the new podcast until all have heard at febc.org. Janice Allen is an accomplished woman who is now president and CEO of ICM, whose goal is to equip local churches around the world with a permanent building and practical discipleship tools for oral learners. Her father founded this ministry, and, as we learn, she's grateful to both of her parents for the vision she is stewarding.
1: Well, I felt very blessed actually that that both my parents came from strong Christian background um, and on both sides of my uh, parents' lives, they had integrated um, missions very significantly into our household. That was part of what was important. Uh, and the churches that we were involved with, even back to my grandparents, the churches they were involved with. You know, we um, part of in the Baptist tradition. With my one set of grandparents, we did the Lottie Moon, you know, yeah, kind sure, of offerings. Sure. And yeah. then at our little Presbyterian church, we had um, missions um, very much emphasized, and missionaries coming through, and they came through our home. Hmm. So that was some of the foundation. I think that my my parents. Uh, gave to my sisters and I was just the uh, responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus Christ to be mindful of what God is doing in the rest of the world.
0: But I'm I'm sure you had no clue in those early days uh, the opportunities you would have yourself to encourage the church around the world.
1: I did not, um, and that I think has been the beauty of how God works in our lives to Navigate us and along this journey. But when I was about 12 years old, um, I read some books by Albert Schweitzer hmm. and loved the idea of being a, a medical missionary. Hmm. And that actually drew me uh, into going into becoming a candy striper and then ultimately going to nursing school um, because I wanted to be a medical missionary. And never really knew how God was going to ultimately take that. Um, but I married a medical student whose desire was to stay stateside and go into academic medicine. And so that's um what we chose to do. But in the raising of three boys and in the um, you know, the life that we just folded into in the United States. We started doing short-term medical mission trips hmm. very soon after we were married. Um, so that really was integrated into you know, the household that I was then raising. Um, there still was not a, a ministry um, in my father's vision at that point. So God was sort of doing one thing with me over here while he was doing something very different in the life of my father at the same time.
0: We'll learn more about that in a few minutes. But as you're raising this family and uh, leading a busy life, I understand that you helped to start a hospice in Florida. Is that right?
1: Well, that was part of the, the work that I did in nursing. Um, that was early years when hospice was a fairly new concept in the United States, and so was involved with helping start that. Um, Then we moved to Boston, and I was on faculty at the nursing school at Boston University, um, and then had a couple years in Atlanta doing uh, chemotherapy and outpatient uh, treatment there, so My experience was quite varied. (laughs) Um, The God was definitely using different things I was learning in those positions, um, I think, to equip me for what He had for me down the road.
0: Yeah, yeah. Isn't it amazing to look back and see the steps along the way that God used to prepare you for what you're doing in life, even now?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think, though, where I never anticipated the ability to use those things I learned as a hospice nurse, Um, because in the year 2000, my husband, who was an ophthalmologist, uh, got eye cancer. Oh, goodness. And the next five years, we navigated this very virulent, untreatable um, eye cancer that ended up metastasizing throughout his body, and... On the one hand, you know, I was deeply grateful that I had learned the skills that I had in nursing because, you know, never thinking I was going to need to apply those things with my own husband. Yeah. Um, But grateful that that God had had shown me how I could be my husband's primary caregiver Mm -hmm. during those years. Mm -hmm.
0: Tell me again when he died.
1: He died in 2005.
0: All right. So it's been a number of years, but it hasn't slowed you down. I mean, it's amazing. Well, as I said before, we'll get into more of that story. But I want to take you back because you grew up in this home uh, with a a legacy of faith. But when did that faith become yours, Janice?
1: You know, I had um, really an experience, I think, with the Holy Spirit when I was, you know, in my later 20s. I mean, even though our family was uh, extremely active and I was as well, and the church and doing, you know, Bible studies and things like that, I think there was a season in my life where I was straddling. I was a, probably a little bit of a, a schizophrenic Christian, <laughs> <you> know, living <laughs> in two different worlds. Um, but in my 20s, there was really a, a clear sense of, the profound nature of God's grace. And I am very much a, I think can lean very easily into being performance driven Mm -hmm. and task oriented. And there was just this sense of nothing, nothing I could do um, could deserve the grace of God that was just being poured out so abundantly and um, that that was really when I, I feel like God freed me up from the constraints we place on ourselves to ever think that it works.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well said. Well said, indeed. Now, going back to your father, um, he eventually, as I understand it, founded something called ICM. Tell me this story.
1: Well, my father had been a successful businessman, um He was very entrepreneurial and um, had multiple automobile dealerships and franchises with with different kinds of cars and then also began doing a whole lot of real estate development as well um, and throughout that period was um, very much involved with parachurch um, ministries and you know just as i said about myself that that god was shaping uh, and honing me mm-hmm. i think god was clearly doing the same thing in the life of my father he served on the board of prison fellowship when it was just getting started by mm-hmm. chuck colson and ended up serving for 20 years as the treasurer of prison fellowship and i think was surrounded during that season um, by very successful um, business people and very successful leaders of the faith. And all of that was rubbing off on my father, hmm. all the things that he was observing, you know, others do. Um, he, through those relationships, was given the opportunity to be part of the very first uh, Lausanne Congress yes. in 1974. Mm-hmm. And for people who are familiar with the Covenant, the Lausanne Covenant, that was the byproduct of the thought leaders uh, in that time that was addressing how do we reach the world. Yeah,
0: major statement, major statement of of theology and faith, yes.
1: So there were concepts ingrained in that document That became foundational for ICM. One of those concepts was the statement that there is no way we will ever reach the world for Jesus Christ unless we equip and empower the indigenous church. We can never in the West send enough missionaries. So that was deeply ingrained in the Lausanne uh, covenant and that really became the model for ICM.
0: That, uh, that grabbed your father's heart.
1: That grabbed his heart.
0: A- and he founded ICM. Now, what does ICM stand for?
1: International Cooperating Ministries.
0: All right. So this is, uh, was raised up, visioned by your father, to plant indigenous churches around the world, as I understand it.
1: Well, not um, directly to plant. What we do first is identify an existing indigenous ministry that is already planting churches. That's a
0: great way to do it. Yeah, wonderful.
1: They already have a vision, and we're just coming alongside them and helping resource them with things they have told us would be beneficial for advancing um, the kingdom of Jesus Christ in their own country. Um, So ICM is the global church developer, And we speak about ICM in that way because like my father understood, when you do a real estate development, you bring in all the assets, all the resources, all the contractors that are needed to take a barren piece of land and end up with a thriving uh, residential community or, or whatever kind of development it is. And so in in a way, that is what ICM strives to do, is come alongside and just help the gospel expand Mm -hmm. and grow. So one of the things that we have really, I think, uh, proven our strategy over the past 35 years is how do we support in the building of churches for these congregations that already exist?
0: We'll learn more about International Cooperating Ministries, ICM, from Janice Allen, coming up on First Person. And there are so many stories of God at work through the Far East Broadcasting Company. We just had to find a way to tell more. Well, you know, Wayne, hearing all these testimonies has absolutely changed my life. And I want to use a podcast to be able to go deeper with some of the real stories that I get to see as the gospel's going out all around the world. And these stories will change your life, too. So listen to the new weekly podcast until all have heard from FEBC. Listen at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. Or go to febc.org. My guest is Janice Allen. Janice is the president, CEO of ICM, and we're learning about ICM here today. We'll put more information, of course, at our website, FirstPersonInterview.com. Janice is also the author of God in the Crossroads, Signs of Hope, and uh, we'll have information about the book at our website as well, FirstPersonInterview.com. So you began talking about this uh, this vision to help support, encourage, equip the indigenous churches around the world uh, did you ever see yourself in a position of leadership? Your father founded this ministry, but uh, where were you during those early days? What were you doing? With, w- was this a part of your heart and vision as well?
1: Well, you know, I, I do believe that missions was on my heart, but uh, I was busy raising three sons. I, understand. I was busy, yeah. you know, doing the soccer mom thing. <laughs> um, and it though my father had asked me to serve on the board uh, of the ministry. And so I was watching this thing grow year after year, just sitting in amazement watching this thing grow. But to your question, never imagined that God was going to be positioning me um, to move into a leadership role. So you started
0: as a board member.
1: Start as a board member. Yeah,
0: but at what point in your life did it become obvious that God wanted you to actually become the the leader of this ministry?
1: You know, I think it really happened um, after my husband passed away, and he died just a few months after I had sent my youngest son to college. Wow. That was a hard season.
0: I bet, yeah.
1: And, you know, I do believe that it was a season of needing to pause and be reminded of where my identity truly lies. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's very easy for us to take on roles and begin to see that as our identity identity and i think for a woman particularly um you know that was easy as a wife and mother and and active in my church and community those were had become my identity and so it was that season after my husband died and my last child was launched that that god was really um he and i had a lot of conversations during that season i have to say <laughs>
0: Things began and, to uh, stir up, huh? <laughs>
1: so I just really began to say, Lord, what is next? Hmm. You know, the slate of my life is clean. There yeah. is no no prescribed path for me now. And yet I wanted desperately to serve him wherever that might be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. my father kept prodding me to consider a leadership role at ICM. And I was a reluctant um I was reluctant to say yes because I wanted it to be for the reasons of God's calling me and not my earthly father mm, calling me.
0: I understand. Um,
1: and so I I did a vision trip uh, first to Tanzania, just a, a several months after my husband passed away, and then um, probably eight months um, later did a trip to Peru, and that's when I really got confirmation hmm. that this is what God had for me. Hmm.
0: Specifically, what happened? What was that confirmation? Was it seeing the results uh, in people's lives? What, what was it?
1: I think it was seeing the extraordinary opportunity to, to truly make an impact um, for Jesus Christ. And in the field, you just began to, to hear the stories from the people that had their lives totally changed, Um, because they were exposed to the unconditional love of God um, and oftentimes within cultures that were so extraordinarily different from what I had ever known. And it just just grabbed my heart. Mm -hmm. And bottom line, it just grabbed my heart.
0: Yeah, I've had some similar experiences. When you come home from a trip like that, your heart is so full it's almost bursting, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Indeed. And that
0: was the confirmation that God used to uh, to move you into uh, the leadership of ICM. So tell me a story. Tell tell me some of the things that just that have gone on that you've seen God at work.
1: Well, I tell you, they some of the things um, because I've I've had the great fortune of being able to travel to many of these locations where ICM works and locations, I, I never imagined I would be going into some of the, the they say, you know, going to the farthest points of, of the planet. And I've had a chance to do that. But anyway, there was one story in particular um, that, that just shook me to my core. And we had been traveling on the island of Zanzibar, which is off the coast of Tanzania. Uh, Zanzibar is about 99% Muslim. And very very difficult area for the for the church to grow there, and we had had this gentle natured pastor traveling with us on the bus for days, and why I don't speak Swahili and he didn't speak English. It's that thing you experience so often when you're with someone yeah, you nod a, a lot, yeah, a yeah, lot of body yeah. language. <laughs> but it wasn't until almost the last day that I asked him if he would share his testimony with our team. And he did that through a translator. And I have to just preface this with saying, you know, his demeanor and his, it was almost like this glow was around him. The, just the, the warmth and the joy and his spirit was contagious. And I think that was why his testimony was so startling because he started sharing about in his younger years he had been a witch doctor oh. and he had been so desirous of having greater power that he had sacrificed his firstborn son oh, to my death goodness. oh and it almost didn't it was like the surreal testimony as he his countenance was so different from his life story, Mm -hmm. but he had been walking past a church that had been built by ICM, and he heard the music, and he was drawn to stand outside the window of the church to hear what was being said, to hear the music, to hear the gospel, and he was grabbed by the Holy Spirit, and it totally changed his life. And this man could stand up there with the greatest joy in his face, tears running down his cheeks, saying, I have been washed as white as snow because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and his extraordinary grace.
0: Beautiful. What a privilege to come alongside people like that. Well, Janice, uh, I wonder if you would take a moment and speak to the listener who's at a crossroads. You were at a crossroads. Your husband had died. You were an empty nester all at the same time, uh, struggling with decisions in life. There's someone listening who's struggling as well, maybe in a completely different context, but still it's a crossroads for them. Speak to that person. What Scripture especially uh, spoke to you during that time?
1: Well, and... I will say my life verse is, you know, nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus, no life nor death. And that, I think, was what I clung to. The name of the book, you know, God and the Crossroads, Signs of Hope. You know, I knew as a cancer nurse that the reality to the human spirit of the need for hope is so dramatic. We were wired that way. we need hope. and And I saw in the life of so many patients I was working with that moved from the first hearing that they had cancer to then hoping the treatment would work or or hoping for this or hoping for that. And then maybe as the diagnosis, became, you know, more difficult. They would, you know, hope that they would make it to Christmas or hope for some life circumstance that they would live until that. And it became, for me, just this this pressing sense of, of the importance of hope. And where else is there greater assurance of hope than the promises and the Word of God?
0: You've been listening to Janice Allen, the president and CEO of International Cooperative Ministries, or ICM, whose vision is to equip local churches around the world. There's more information and links to ICM at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. I hope you can take a few moments to learn more about this Virginia-based ministry and how they are reaching out to the world by working with indigenous churches. Again, go to firstpersoninterview.com. And then while you're online, please take time to visit febc.org for the latest on what God is doing through the broadcasts of the Far East Broadcasting Company. There's also information there about the new podcast, Until All Have Heard, featuring behind-the-scenes happenings at FEBC. Listen at febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening
1: to First Person.